Hello, podcast listeners, and hello to my fellow American podcast listeners as well. Obviously, if you're around the world, I welcome you as well. But today's a wonderful day here in the United States. It is our 4th of July. Today's the finally the day where we get to celebrate the founding of our great nation. That being said, though, there's still things to be able to talk about in the market, even though the stock market is technically closed today. There are some things I want to be able to talk about. Just was looking at the news today and just decided, you know what, we should do a podcast just to see about things that they're not that they're reporting today that will be forgotten about by tomorrow. Okay. First things up, we're going to be talking about rent prices and rent prices are cooling down in these five cities. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail and what that potentially might mean for the market. We then have some news from Turkey. Turkey's annual inflation soared to soars to almost 79%, hitting the highest level in 24 years. Jeez, we thought inflation was bad here. Turkey's feeling it as well. And then finally, we're going to end today talking about more about the oil and gas sector of the economy. In fact, in particular, we're going to be talking about how it's weighing on consumers in the short term, how it's affecting the G7 in the Ukraine war, and what Jeff Bezos is saying about the Biden administration, about the oil and gas situation as well. With that being said, guys, like I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is information purposes only. You need to do your own research before making any investment decisions. I cannot legally give you financial advice. I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. I, you need to talk to your own financial advisor before making financial decisions as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. The whole point of this podcast is for information and for entertainment purposes only. I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. Starting with today's podcast, rent prices are starting to cool down. The five cities with the most significant decreases, okay? Summer is a notorious busy moving season, and high rent prices often reflect that. But prices seem to be cooling a little compared in the last 12 months. Overall, medium rent prices for a one-bedroom apartment are only up 0.5% month over month, and prices for a two-bedroom are down 2.9% as of June, according to the National Rent Report for June 2022 from Zumper. A hub of people to find houses, apartments, rooms, and condos for rent. Although median rent overall rose slightly for one-bedroom apartments, many cities saw significant decreases between May and June. Tallahassee, Florida had the biggest drop at approximately 6.5%, followed by Anchorage, Alaska at 6%. Here are the top five cities, the biggest decreases in rent as of June of 2020, according to Zumper. We have Tallahassee, Florida. The median rent price for a one-bedroom apartment is $860. Month-over-month, month, change in prices is down 6.5%. Year-over-year change in price is 7.5%. Anchorage, Alaska is number two. The median rent price for one bedroom apartment is $1,060. Wow. Did not think Anchorage, Alaska would be that expensive, but it's Alaska, I guess. Month-over-month change in price is down 6.2%. Year-over-year change in price is 8.2%. Urban Honolulu. Median rent price for one bedroom apartment is $1,530. Month-over-month change of price is down 6.1%. Year-over-year changes price is 3.4%. In San Diego, the medium rent price for a one-bedroom apartment is $2,320. And that's down 6.1%. And year-over-year, that's a down in price by 20.8%. And then finally, Syracuse, New York. The medium rent price for a one-bedroom apartment is $930. Month-over-month change in price, 6.1%. Year-over-year change in price, 8.1%. While Tallahassee, Florida has the highest percentage price and drop, San Diego's rent prices went down by the largest dollar amount 
with almost a 200 decrease. However, the medium rent in San Diego is still high at $2,320 for June and over 20% year over year. But in an expensive city like San Diego, any decrease in price may be advantage for those looking to move there. Though Miami wasn't one of the top five cities, it also saw a hefty drop in medium rent prices. The median price for a one-bedroom apartment decreased by 0.9% in June. I got to say, if prices are dropping, that's it's interesting because that tells me either they can't fill in what's needed currently and people are moving out of those places or people just can't afford anything right now. And so people aren't moving to those places. It's hard to tell, but I, I think that's going to end up changing soon. I mean, inflation is kind of kicking up hard across the world currently. But it just seems a little weird that these price drops would happen. And obviously, San Diego is still the most expensive of them all. But it's still interesting to take a look at. Maybe we'll have a better idea in the housing market soon when they report more numbers soon. But it seems like these prices won't stay forever. So let's talk about a little bit about inflation from CNBC News. Turkey's annual inflation soars to almost 79%, hitting the highest level in 24 years. Jeez. Inflation in Turkey rose close to 79% last month, the highest the country has seen in a quarter of a century. The annual inflation rate was 78.62% for June, according to the Turkish Statistical Institute, surpassing forecast. That's the country's highest annual inflation reading in 24 years. The monthly increase was 4.95%. Soaring consumer prices have hit the population of 84 million hard with little hope for improvement in the near term as a result of the Russian-Ukraine war. High energy and food prices and a sharply depreciated lira, the national currency. Transportation prices jumped 123.37% from the previous year. And food and non-alcoholic beverages climbed 93.93% according to government data. Turkey has enjoyed rapid growth in the previous years, but President Recep Tayyip had a few, had, sorry, has for the last few years refused to meaningfully raise rates to cool the resulting inflation. Describing interest rates as the mother of all evil, the results have been plummeting. Turkish lira and far less spending power for the average Turk. Erdogan instructed the country's central bank, which analysis ha say has no independence from him, to reportedly slash borrowing rates for in 2020 and 2021, even as inflation continued to rise. Central bank chief who's expressed opposition to this course of action were fired by the spring of 2021. Turkey's central bank has seen four different governors in two years. The country's interest rate was gradually reduced to 14% last fall and has remained unchanged since. The lira fell 44% again to the dollar last year and is down 21% against the greenback since the start of the year. Turkey's government has introduced unorthodox policies to try to shore up the lira without raising interest rates. In late June, Turkey's banking regulatory announced a ban on lira loans to companies holding what is deemed to be too much foreign currency, which boosted the currency brief, but caused more uncertainty among investors who questioned sustainability of the measure. Okay. Turkey. I'm going to tell you this much right now. Okay. I personally would not be surprised if civil war potentially hits Turkey. And I don't say that very lightly. And the only reason I say that is it just seems like you cannot be, I mean, look at these numbers. Transportation is up 123.37% and inflation rose 78.62%. That's not even talk. And then they say here about food. Where was that again? Non-alcohol beverage prices climbed food. No correction. Food and non-alcohol beverage prices climbed 93.93%. 93 
I think I read somewhere once that it said if you can cross, I think it was 40% on spending for food, that's when people would start revolting. Or that's when civil wars happen because you're spending most of your money on food. Man, that that's 93.93% for food and not alcohol beverages. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Okay. I personally would not be surprised, like I said, if there becomes a potential civil war in the making in Turkey. And I wonder how the markets are going to handle it. How's the European going to handle it between war between Russia and Ukraine and potentially now Turkey having these issues? And on top of that, too, you have an energy crisis in the making in the European Union, especially for Germany, Netherlands, and Italy. Things are getting insane out there. Got to keep an eye out for this, but it's going to... And I believe Turkey is also right on the border of Russia, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So and I'm not saying Russia is going to be invading Turkey anytime soon, but things are getting insane over there, in at least the Europe-Asia area. You need to keep an eye out for Turkey because there could put, and I don't, and I, like I said, I say this light, very lightly, if, if these prices keep on increasing, there probably will be revolution within Turkey because these are unsustainable prices. And their governments does not seem to be making the smart choices. And that's not even talking about the energy side of things either. I mean, they just said transportation's up 123.37%, which I'm assuming that's part of the energy side of things as well. But they're not even reporting how much it is for gasoline there right now. So keep an eye out for Turkey, guys. That could be potentially the next conflict in the making that will get reported by the news in the next few months, maybe, if these numbers keep on increasing. We're going to end today now talking about the oil and gas sector. High high U.S. gasoline prices weighed on demand as consumers start to feel the pinch, says analysis. Certainly gasoline prices in the U.S. are showing signs of impact on consumption, according to one risk analysis. Quote, we're starting to see some signs of demand destruction, particularly for gasoline, but it's really just off some of the highs of last year when gasoline prices were much cheaper. Rachel Zimba, founder of Zimba Insights, a research firm, told CNBC Squawk Box Asia on Monday. Demand destruction refers to the persistent high prices or tight supplies that eventually lead to a drop in demand. In the case for energy products such as oil and gas, quote, all all these consumption metrics we look at are actually still higher now than they were in the time of 2019 when gasoline prices were definitely cheaper, when a lot of other goods were cheaper, and when the U.S. economy was in a fairly robust state, she explained. Gasoline prices have been surging close to an average of $5 a gallon across the U.S. while consumers are feeling the pain. Prices are not yet at the level that would tip the economy into recession, economics predicted. President Joe, Joe Biden will make a three-stop trip to the Middle East in mid-July. That includes visits to Saudi Arabia, one of the world's largest oil producers. He's expected to explore ways to bring more oil onto the global market as the U.S. and other countries are facing soaring fuel prices due to the war in Ukraine, as well as post-pandemic demand. All that is driving up inflation. Yeah, we just reported here on this podcast the other day that he said that he would not be talking to them about getting more oil and that he would allow more leasing on the Gulf of Mexico. This man does not know what he's doing and it's going to keep causing the oil markets to be insane as long as he's in the office for president right now, at least in my opinion. Quote, I think we're still dealing with the fact that an adjustment of the pandemic meant people were more likely to drive than to take public transit. And people are st- are still taking long haul journeys, said Zimba. The fact that air- airplanes are starting to sort of reduction, per- ugh, sorry, the fact that airplanes are starting to sort of reduce production, reduce flights, might mean some people are more likely to to do road trips. I think on the margins, it costs a lot more to take those trips. 
And so we'll see some people who are going to be staying closer to home, maybe stay patient, she added. But ultimately, the sort of pain point of higher prices is going to take some time to play in. In June, Biden called on U.S. oil refining companies to produce more, and they said they needed help alternatives to burn burden of higher prices on consumers. Quote, one sign I'm watching for is to what extent are we globally going to see more refining capacity? There's been a little bit of good news there, but it's mostly been in the emerging market countries adding some refinery capacity, she said. Continuing on the quote, I'm afraid comments from the White House blaming refineries, blaming gas stations don't necessarily help solve this problem. Thank you. Someone is finally saying it. And of course, they're reporting it on a day where no one's looking at the news. I have to say this now in the middle of this podcast. I'll still say it at the end. Please, please, please share this video with friends or family so we can get this word out so that people will know what's happening in this market currently. It's insane. Russia's war on Ukraine has pushed up oil prices and have surged 43% year to date. And the war has threatened the sanctions on Russia, coal and oil have rolled the global markets, including energy markets. The group of seven economics that floated the idea of price cap on Russia oil to further squeeze the Kremlin's ability to fund its onslaught in Ukraine and try to protect consumers amidst surging energy prices. These people don't know what they're doing. Literally. I'm so glad someone's finally admitting it. I mean, finally, someone blaming, you can't blame the refineries. You can't blame the gas companies for policies that you're enacting in Washington, Joe. I'm sorry. Decisions you've made have now affected the American people and are going to be affecting the world at the rate things are going. I mean, you on, I think it was Friday, we reported on from CNBC that Joe Biden was considering allowing companies to drill off the Gulf of Mexico. But remember in May, the New York Times said that Joe Biden was getting rid of all that. Now onto the G7, what's happening there. The G7 is considering a price cap on Russian oil, but energy analysis think it's impossible. The world's seven largest industrial economies have floated the idea of a price cap on Russian oil to further squeeze the Kremlin's ability to fund its onslaught in Ukraine and try to protect consumers amid surging energy prices. The G7 pursuit of a price ceiling on Russian oil is not without its challenges. However, with energy analysis highly skeptical about the integrity of the proposal. For its part, the Kremlin has warned any attempt to impose a price cap on Russian oil will cause more harm than good. How the idea came about. The United States seems to be the biggest supporter of the price cap on Russian oil. Even though I think I think only like 3% came from Russia for the United States at one point. Can't remember exactly. Back in May, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen explained the idea to her European counterparts, saying it would work as a tariff or cap on Russian oil and help Europe in the interim period until opposing a full ban. The EU argued in late May to impose a gradual embargo on Russian oil until the end of 2022. That right there tells me everything I need to know right there. Europe is going to be feeling the pain. They will be. They are probably desperately right now across Europe. I mean, we've only been reading about France, Germany, Netherlands, and Italy. I would not be surprised if all the other EU EU countries are starting to save up their oil as much as possible for this upcoming winter. Continuing on the article, after several weeks of tough negotiation among the 27 nations, the bloc used to receive about 25% of its oil imports from Russia, and it represents one of the most important buyers for the Kremlin. Stopping these oil purchases are an attempt to hurt Russian, Russia's economy after an unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, but are difficult to end overnight given how some EU countries are heavily dependent on Russian fossil fuels. U.S. President Joe Biden presented the idea of the oil price cap to the rest of the G7 leaders over the weekend on of June 25th and 26th, and his counterparts argued to look at how to do it. The G7 comprised of U.S., Canada, France, Germany, Italy, the U.K., and Japan. 
two of those, three of those countries, if you look at it, we just talked about France, Germany, Italy, they're going to feel it. They're going to feel it so hard. And their politicians are probably scrambling right now to make sure they don't suffer this winter. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said the idea was very ambitious and needed a lot of work before com- com- becoming reality. A spokesperson for the European Commission and the executive arm of the EU said in an email to CNBC Friday, quote, we share the G7 countries' concerns about the burden of energy prices, increases in the market instability, and how these air, um, aggravated inequalities nationally and internationally. So I think we need to also read a little bit more into how this might potentially work before we end today by talking about Bezos. Energy analysis of question exactly how the G7 can impose a price ceiling for Russian oil, warning that the plan could backfire if key consumers are not involved and time may be running out to make it workable. I'm told, whoops, a little too far ahead on that article. If what, I'm, I'm one of those scratching my heads, Neil Atkinson, an independent oil analysis told CNBC Squawk Box Europe on Thursday. Something like this could only work if you can get the key producers and cr- and critically, all the key consumers working together and then finding some way to enforcing whatever plan you might come up with, he added. And in reality, the biggest consumers of Russian oil are amongst the biggest consumers of Russian oil. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. And in reality, the biggest consumers of Russian oil, oil or, among, or, or amongst the biggest consumers of Russian oil are China and India. Now, this is where things get interesting because I cannot believe they mentioned this. China and India have, be, have benefited enormously from discounted Russian crude, Atkinson said. Russian oil has been selling at a heavy discount of $30 or more when compared to international benchmark Brent crude futures at 110 a barrel. And China and India have been snapping it up. I knew it. I had mentioned this about a month ago that India was eating up cheap oil. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if China was. And sure enough, here it is. Atkinson also highlighted a lack of unity over Russian invasion of Ukraine, given that China and India have failed to explicitly condemn the Kremlin. In any event, the Russians, who just sit there and do nothing, can play games with supplies of oil and indeed gas. They can mess with the G7 head in some respects. So I think this plan is really a non-starter, Atkinson said. For me, honestly, the mechanism doesn't work. Arminet Senator, co-founder and director of Research Energy Aspects, told CNBC Squawk Box Europe on Friday. Quote, they haven't thought it through. They haven't spoke to India and China. Do we really think they're going to agree on this? And do we really think that Russia will, accept, will actually accept this and not retaliate? I think this sounds like a very, very good theoretical concept, but it's not good. It's not going to work in practice. Yeah, it's not going to work because India doesn't want China to get ahead and China is going to keep eating up the oil because China once doesn't care. China will just get cheap oil and just continue to try to become the next world superpower in the making. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. You got to remember, China and India have a border dispute going on right now. And... Whatever China's doing, India is going to be doing as well. And of course, there's also that chance too, and we've talked about this in the past, that China's eyeing Taiwan. I mean, one, one thing countries tend to do, at least if you look into the history of countries, when they prepare for war, they try to get up as much supplies as they can. And I'm not saying this is what China's going to get ready to do, but there's always a chance that they're getting up this much oil that they're looking, that they're probably eyeing Taiwan a little bit right now. It's just a theory. I can't prove it. I'm not in China and I'm not in the in politics in China, but if you just look at history, that's what that's what people do. They try to load up as much natural resources as possible before making a making a dive in. I mean, Putin pretty much did it with Russia with Ukraine recently. And of course, they're 
they're not, I mean, you can't stop India and China from importing oil. You're just not. The only way that's going to happen, you'd have to literally make India and China isolated completely from the world. But even if you did that, it would, it would pretty much screw over India because if India gave into the demands, then China would just keep consuming more oil. And then they would probably win the border dispute with India in the end. This is a, this is there's there's it doesn't seem like a win-win situation in any way shape or form. It just looks like a lose-lose situation. It doesn't it just seems like it. Finally, the last thing, Bezos slams Biden's call for gasoline stations to cut prices. Amazon.com founder Jeff Bezos renewed his spat with the White House over the weekend as the world's third richest person criticized Joe President Joe Biden for calling on companies running gasoline stations to lower their prices. In a tweet on Saturday, Biden said, "This is a time of war and global peril and demand the company's lower gasoline prices, which have soared to about $5 a gallon in many parts of this country. Quoting Joe Biden, bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product and do it now, the president said. Yeah, Joe, I'm sorry, but what they're paying for is a reflection of what they're selling it for. At least if I understand economics a little bit more. It says here, Bezos soon wrote, on Twitter, ouch, inflation is far too important as a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. It's either straight ahead misdirection or a mis or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. On Sunday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre rejected the criticism from Bezos, arguing that oil prices have dropped by about $15 a barrel in the past month, while prices at the pump have barely fallen. But I guess it's not surprising that you think oil and gas companies, and this is her quote now, but I guess it's not surprising that you think that oil and gas companies using market power to reap record profits at the expense of the American people is the way our economy is supposed to work, she wrote on Twitter. Bezos has locked horns with the Biden administration in the past. In May, he accused Biden of misleading the public and blamed his administration for spike in inflation. Here's the thing, Karine, you're wrong. Jeff Bezos is right. Okay, I'm sorry. Supply and demand issue right now. Joe Biden keeps canceling all of those leases from Alaska, Gulf of Mexico, off the co- off the coast, um, coast of the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean in the United States. He's not allowing us to drill. It takes about three years to five years on average just to build one of those offshore rigs for the Gulf of Mexico. It takes about a year to build one of to build a rig on land. Okay. Got to drill more. You And I, I will keep saying this over and over and over again. We're not allowed to drill. This is the end result of what's happening. Okay. And I've read plenty of articles so far and I have plenty of past podcasts. I'd highly advise you guys listening to about what the heck's happening with the oil industry under this current administration. And I will keep talking about oil because they're not talking about it as much anymore. Especially on a weekend like this. By tomorrow, Jeff Bezos' tweet will be forgotten. The G Summon Russian cap will be forgotten. Biden's tweet about thinking about allowing them to drill in the Gulf of Mexico will be forgotten. It won't be forgotten here. There's a reason why we keep talking about this stuff. Because we have to. Because no one else will currently. And if they do, it's like kind of like a brush on and then move on from it. We got other issues as well. I mean... Inflation's here. I mean, look at Turkey, 79% inflation already. And who knows what it is truly within the United States currently right now. doesn't matter where you go in the world. Inflation 
oil prices, you name it. European countries are now scrambling to keep oil price, going to keep oil prices, keeping as much oil and gas as they can for the upcoming winter months. And they're now they're thinking about using coal. So I'm sorry, press secretary, Kieran, you're wrong. You're, uh, I don't think her name's Karen. Her, what is her name? Karen. K- yeah, Karen, whatever. She's wrong. And she needs to stop trying to be like, oh, Jeff Bezos is wrong. No, she's completely wrong. She is. So, and the market for oil is just going to keep going up. It's just insane. It, I, I don't even know what to think about anymore, to be honest. But we'll keep reporting it here. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help get the news out there about our podcast, about us talking about the market and what's happening at all times. I also ask too that you please share with friends or family as every time you share it with friends or family, we're able to keep talking about what's happening in this podcast currently right now as well. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.